Last week we started in our series of 100 scientific facts of the Bible. Basically, science proves the Bible to be true. This is part two. We got through the first 33. This week we're going to go from 34 to number 69. <clears throat> number 34, life begins at conception. I don't care what anybody else says. God declares that He knew us before we were born. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. God told this to Jeremiah. Psalm 139.13 For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. Psalm 139.16 your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. And Isaiah 49.1 says, Before I was born, the Lord called me. From my mother's womb, He has spoken my name. God fashions and knits us together in the womb. Science for a long time was ignorant of how an embryo develops. Yet many centuries ago, the Bible accurately described God making us an intricate unity inside the womb. Job 10.8 says, Your hand shaped me and made me. Job 31.15 says, Did not He who made me in the womb make them? Did not the same one form us both within our mothers? God created everything. Every human being. And every human being that has life is supposed to thank God for that and glorify Him for the life that He's given us. Number 35. Did you know the biblical penalty for murdering an unborn child was death? Exodus 21, 22-25. If people are fighting and hit a pregnant woman and she gives birth prematurely, but there is no serious injury, the offender must be fined whatever the woman's husband demands and the court allows. But if there is serious injury... You are to take life for life, eye for eye, tooth for tooth, hand for hand, foot for foot, burn for burn, wound for wound, bruise for bruise. I think it's pretty clear right there that God's against abortion. Number 36. DNA was anticipated in Scripture. And we know during the 1950s, uh, Watson and Crick discovered the genetic blueprint for life 60 years ago. 3,000 years ago, the Bible seems to reference this written digital code in Psalm 139, 13-16, which I just read. For you did form my inward parts. You did knit me together in my mother's womb. I will confess and praise you, for you are fearful and wonderful, and for the awful wonder of my birth. Wonderful are your works, and that my inner self knows right well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being formed in secret, and intricately and curiously wrought, as if embroidered with various colors." In the depths of the earth, a region of darkness and mystery. Your eyes saw my unformed substance, and in your book all the days of my life were written before they ever took shape, when as yet there was none of them. Number 37. God has created all mankind from one blood. Today, researchers have discovered that we have all descended from one gene pool. What a revelation, right? For example, a 1995 study of a section of Y chromosomes from 38 men from different ethnic groups around the world was consistent with the biblical teaching 
that we all come from one man. That's Adam. Acts 17.26 says, From one man he made all the nations, that they should inhabit the whole earth, and he marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of their lands. I love backing up anything with Scripture. Number 38. Origin of the major language groups explained. After the rebellion at Babel, which we know about the story of the Tower of Babel, God scattered the people by confounding the one language into many languages. Evolution teaches that we all evolved from a common ancestor, yet offers no mechanism to explain the origin of the thousands of diverse languages in existence today. Genesis 11, 1 through 9. Now the whole world had one language and a common speech. As people moved eastward, they found a plain in Shinar, which is Iraq near Babylon, Baghdad, and they settled there. They said to each other, come, let's make bricks and bake them thoroughly. They used brick instead of stone and tar for mortar. Then they said, come, let us build ourselves a city with a tower that reaches to the heavens so that we may make a name for ourselves. Otherwise, we will be scattered over the face of the whole earth. But the Lord came down to see the city and the tower the people were building. The Lord said, if as one people speak in the same language, they have begun to do this, then nothing they plan to do will be impossible for them. Come, let us go down and confuse their language so they will not understand each other. So the Lord scattered them from there all over the earth and they stopped building the city. That is why it was called Babel because the Lord confused the language of the whole world. From there the Lord scattered them over the face of the whole earth. There's a lot of cultures around the world that have a flood story. That's what was told to them by their ancestor Noah. 39. Origin of the different races explained. As Noah's descendants migrated around the world after Babel, each language group developed distinct features based on environment and genetic variation. Those with a genetic makeup suitable to their new environment survived to reproduce. Over time, certain traits such as dark skin color, for those who were closer to the equator, dominated. Genesis alone offers a reasonable answer to the origin of the races and languages. It makes sense. If any of us moved to South America, over time, our skin is going to be darker. Number 40. God has given us the leaves of trees as medicine. Ancient cultures utilized many herbal remedies. Today, modern medicine has rediscovered what the Bible has said all along. There are healing compounds found in plants. Ezekiel 47.12 says, Fruit trees of all kinds will grow on both banks of the river. Their leaves will not wither, nor will their fruit fail. Every month they will bear fruit because the water from the sanctuary flows to them. Their fruit will serve for food and their leaves for healing. In Revelation 22.2 Down the middle of the great street of the city, on each side of the river stood the tree of life, bearing twelve crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every month, and the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. Tied in with that 41, you want to read some healthy dietary laws, read the book of Leviticus. You'll read some healthy dietary laws there. A couple of those, 42, the Bible warns against eating birds of prey. Scientists now recognize that those birds which eat putrefying flesh often spread disease. Nobody out here eats turkey buzzards, do they? There's a reason for that, right? Leviticus 11, 13 through 19 says, These are the birds you are to regard as unclean and not eat because they are unclean. 
the eagle, the vulture, the black vulture, the red kite, any kind of black kite, any kind of raven, the horned owl, the screech owl, the gull, any kind of hawk, the little owl, the cormorant, the great owl, the white owl, the desert owl, the osprey, the stork, any kind of heron, the hoopie, and the bat. God knew what they consumed and what they could do to people. He also, in Deuteronomy, this is number 43, Science learned that eating undercooked pork causes an infection of parasites called trichinosis. Which you guys know that if you send a hog off to be slaughtered, you know you've got to cook that meat thoroughly or you can get sick. Now consider this. The Bible forbid the eating of swine more than 3,000 years before we learn how to cook it safely. God put these guidelines down because he didn't want his people sick. Because you've got to remember how many people would die or get really sick from certain things until they figured out what it was. So God was putting safeguards in there for them. And number 44, radical environmentalism is foreseen, believe it or not. And we know that that's all the rage nowadays. And we look outside and we, we see the global warming, don't we? You talk about one of the biggest scams you've ever seen. They said that this month is going to be the coldest month in a century. So what's going to happen is those global alarmists are going to say, this is the effect of global warming, is this global cooling. Hey, when you have circular reasoning, you can't go wrong. 2,000 years ago, God's word stated that many would worship and serve creation rather than the creator. Today, nature is revered as mother and naturalism is enshrined. And we know that people worship creation. Romans one twenty five, it says, They exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshipped and served created things rather than the Creator, who is forever praised. Amen. Jeremiah 10.14 says, Everyone is senseless and without knowledge. Every goldsmith is shamed by his idols. The images he makes are a fraud. They have no breath in them. In Jeremiah 16.20, Do people make their own gods? Yes, but they're not gods. And we see people do this time and time again. Number 45. Black holes and dark matter was anticipated. Cosmologists now speculate that over 98% of the known universe is comprised of dark matter. With dark energy and black holes. A black hole's gravitational field is so strong that they say nothing, not even light, can escape. Beyond the expanding universe, there is no measured radiation and therefore only outer darkness exists. Or the blackness of darkness forever. Just as stars are consumed by black holes never to escape, so does the fate of the lost and the false teachers. In Jude 1, 12-13, it says, These are spots in your love feasts, while they feast with you without fear, serving only themselves. They are clouds without water, Carried about by the winds, late autumn trees without fruit, twice dead, pulled up by the roots, raging waves of the sea, foaming up their own shame, wandering stars for whom is reserved the blackness of darkness forever. That was a comparison. As these stars that can be sucked into these black holes, so will the false teachers be, and they will be cast into outer darkness. Last week we talked about the first law of thermodynamics. This week, number 46, the second law of thermodynamics, which is entropy, is explained. This law states that everything in the universe is running down or deteriorating and constantly becoming less and less orderly. 
Entropy, which is disorder, entered when mankind rebelled in the Garden of Eden against God, resulting in the curse. And we all understand that. As we get older, we understand that our bodies are breaking down. And it, it doesn't matter what we do. We can work out as much as we want. Still, eventually you start to feel the effects of it, no matter what you do. We just get old and our bodies wear out. Historically, most people believe the universe was unchangeable. Yet modern science verifies that the universe is growing old like a garment, as it says in Hebrews 1.11. Evolution directly contradicts this law. Psalm 102, 25-26 says, In the beginning you laid the foundations of the earth, and the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish, but you remain. They will all wear out like a garment, like clothing. You will change them, and they will be discarded. And we know of what it says in Scripture, that there will be a new heaven and the new earth. 47. A lot of people will say, who was Cain's wife? Well, skeptics point out that Cain had no one to marry, therefore the Bible must be false. However, the Bible states plainly that Adam and Eve had other sons and daughters. So we know that Cain married either a sister or a cousin or a niece. We don't know. The problem when people read Scripture is they look at something, they'll read it, and the way that it reads, they think all this happened in a week or a year. Well, no, Adam lived to be 900 years old. He and, he and Eve were created as perfect human beings. And we don't know how old Cain was when he slew Abel. But we know that they were old enough to work in the fields and, and be farmers and, and things to that accord. Scripture doesn't tell us how many other brothers and sisters that came along before that happened. Genesis 5.4 says, Then the days of Adam, after he became the father of Seth, were 800 years. And he had other sons and daughters. Genesis 4, 16 and 17 says, So Cain went away from the presence of the Lord and dwelt in the land of Nod. And that means wandering, which was east of Eden. And Cain's wife, one of Adam's offspring, became pregnant and bore Enoch. And Cain built a city and named it after his son Enoch. Now you guys know as well as I do, you give a hundred years, two people in a hundred years, you could build a pretty extensive family and, and village or town. So give it 800 years. Number 48, incest laws established. To marry near of kin in the ancient world was common. Yet beginning about 1500 B.C., God forbid this practice. The reason is simple. It was because of the genetic mutations that resulted from the curse of sin and its cumulative effect. Though Cain could safely marry his sister because the genetic pool was still pretty pure at that time, by Moses' day, the genetic errors had swelled. Today, geneticists confirm that the risk of passing on a genetic abnormality to your child is much greater if you marry a close relative because relatives are more likely to carry the same defective gene. If they procreate, their offspring are more apt to have this defect expressed. Leviticus 18.6 says, None of you shall approach any blood relative of his to uncover nakedness, have relations with, or marry. I am the Lord. Number 49, genetic mixing of different seeds is forbidden. This is not talking about people. This is talking about crops. And what do we see today? What are these seeds? What happens? They grow. You don't get any more seeds. You have to go buy them, right? Deuteronomy 22.9 says, You shall not sow your vineyard with different kinds of seed, lest the yield of the seed which you have sown and the fruit of your vineyard be defiled. The Bible warns against mixing seeds. 
as this will result in an inferior or dangerous crop. There is now growing evidence that unnatural, genetically engineered crops may be harmful. And I know in the Wednesday night study we watched some of that. And farmers, they don't have seed. They have to go buy it. They have to go buy the seed. They can't re-harvest their own seed. They make it so you can't. And I know that, uh, I know a gentleman in Franklin, he says, this past year corn was $300 a bag for corn seed. Is that ridiculous or what? Number 50, the hydrological cycles described. 4,000 years ago, the Bible declared that God draws up drops of water which distill his rain from the midst, which the clouds drop down and pour abundantly on man. It says that in Job 36. The ancients observed mighty rivers flowing into the ocean, but they could not conceive why the sea level never rose. Though they observed rainfall, they had only quaint theories as to its origin. Meteorologists now understand that the hydrological cycle consists of evaporation, the atmospheric transportation, distillation, and precipitation. They understand the process now. But back in the ancient days, they couldn't figure out why this rain would come down and, and these seas and rivers and, and lakes and ponds would, wouldn't overflow because they didn't understand evaporation. Ecclesiastes 1.7 says, All the rivers run into the sea, yet the sea is not full. To the place from which the rivers come, to there and from there they return again. People don't read the Bible. That's all it comes down to. Jeremiah 10.13, When he utters his voice, there's a tumult of waters in the heavens, and he causes the vapors to ascend from the ends of the earth. He makes lightnings for the rain and brings forth the wind out of his treasuries and from his storehouses. And Amos 9.6 says, It is he who builds his upper chambers in the heavens and who founds his vault over the earth. Who calls to the waters of the sea and pours them out on the face of the earth? The Lord is his name. Number 51. The sun goes in a circuit. Some scientists scoffed at this verse thinking that it taught geocentricity, the theory that the sun revolves around the earth. They insisted the sun was stationary. However, we now know that the sun is traveling through space at approximately 600,000 miles per hour. It is literally moving through space in a huge circuit, just as the Bible stated 3,000 years ago. Psalm 19.6 says, Its rising is from one end of the heavens and its circuit to the other end of them, and there is nothing hidden from its heat. 52. Switch gears. Circumcision. On the eighth day is ideal. Medical science has discovered that the blood clotting chemical, prothrombin, peaks in a newborn on the eighth day. This is therefore the safest day to circumcise a baby. How did Moses know this? How could he know this? We circumcise infant boys to set us apart and recognize the covenant between Abraham and God. Genesis 17.12 says, For the generations to come, every male among you who is eight days old must be circumcised, including those born in your household or bought with money from a foreigner, those who are not your offspring. Leviticus 12.3, On the eighth day the flesh of his foreskin shall be circumcised. Luke 2.21, And when eight days were completed for the circumcision of the child, his name was called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. Does that mean that men have to be circumcised? No. But God used it to set the Jewish people apart. 53. God has given us just the right amount of water to sustain life. We now recognize that if there was significantly more or less water, the earth would not support life as we know it. 
We know that there's a perfect balance for us to live on this earth. Isaiah 40.12 said, Who measured the oceans in the palm of his hand? Who used his hand to measure the sky? Who used a bowl to measure all the dust of the earth? Who used scales to measure the mountains and hills? Job 38.8-11 Who shut up the sea with doors when it rushed out from its secret place? I made clouds as clothing and I put much darkness around it. I marked the places where it could not pass and set locks and doors. And I said, You will come this far and no farther. Here will your proud waves stop. And God set the earth in motion to make all that possible. And we know of tides. What causes the tides? The moon. Okay, how big would how how large would those tides be if the moon was further away or closer? And we're supposed to believe that all this happened by chance. I don't think so. Fifty four, the earth was designed for biological life, which we know. Scientists have discovered that the most fundamental characteristics of our earth and cosmos are so finely tuned, as we just talked about, that if one of them was even slightly different, life could not exist. This is called the anthropic principle, and it agrees with the Bible, which states that God formed the earth to be inhabited. Isaiah 45.18 says, For thus says the Lord, who created the heavens, God himself, who formed the earth and made it, who established it, and did not create it to be a worthless waste. He formed it to be inhabited. I am the Lord and there is no one else. Isaiah 45.12 I made the earth and created man upon it. I, with my hand, stretched out the heavens, and I commanded all their host. In Jeremiah 27.5 I have made the earth, the men, and the beasts that are upon the face of the earth, by my great power and by my outstretched arm, and I give it to whomever it seems right and suitable to me. Number 55, the universe is expanding. Repeatedly, God declares that He stretches out the heavens all throughout Scripture. During the 20th century, most scientists, including Einstein, believed the universe was static. Others believed it should have collapsed due to gravity. Then in 1929, astronomer Edwin Hubble showed that distant galaxies were receding from the earth and the further away they were, the faster they were moving. This discovery revolutionized the field of astronomy. Einstein admitted his mistake. And today most astronomers agree with what the Creator told us millennia ago, that the universe is expanding. Job 9.8 Who alone stretches out the heavens and treads upon the waves and high places of the sea? And Job 37.18 Can you along with him spread out the sky? And like I've said before, that makes sense to us, but it's too simple for people who think they're too smart. Psalm 104.2 You are the one who covers yourself with light as a garment, who stretches out the heavens like a curtain or tent. Isaiah 40.22 It is God who sits above the circle, the horizon of the earth, and its inhabitants are like grasshoppers. It is He who stretches out the heavens like curtains and spreads them out like a tent to dwell in. Isaiah 42.5 Thus says God the Lord who created the heavens and stretched them out. Jeremiah 51.15 It is He who made the earth by His power, who established the world by His wisdom, and by His understanding He stretched out the heavens. And Zechariah 12.1 The Lord who stretches out the heavens, who lays the foundations of the earth, who forms the human spirit within a person. I think God makes it clear. He stretched out the heavens. He created them for Him. He created us for Him. He created everything for Him and His pleasure alone. Number 56, the law of biogenesis is explained. 
Scientists observe that life only comes from existing life. How perceptive of them. This law has never been violated under observation or experimentation, as evolution imagines. Therefore, life, God's life, was created by and for Him. 57. Animal and plant extinction explained. According to evolution, occasionally we should witness a new kind springing into existence. It's never been observed. And that's the best thing to tell somebody who believes in evolution. Have you observed it? No. Well, I observe God's creation every day. Now, on the contrary, as Scripture explains, since the curse on all creation, we observe death and extinction. Jeremiah 12, 4 says, How long will the land lie parts and the grass in every field be withered? Because those who live in it are wicked. The animals and birds have perished. Moreover, the people are saying, He will not see what happens to us. Hosea 4, 3 says, Because of this, the land dries up, and all who live in it waste away. The beasts of the field, the birds in the sky, and the fish in the sea are swept away. And then Romans 8, 20-22, For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of Him who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself also will be set free from its slavery to corruption into the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation groans and suffers the pains of childbirth together until now. We have to realize what happened in that garden. When sin entered this world, it tore everything apart. Everything, including the earth. We're all connected. God's creation is all connected. And if you read the news, if you see the things going on in this earth, all the earthquakes, all the volcanoes, all the things, the earth is groaning. Just as Jesus said it would, the birth pains are getting stronger and closer together. 58. Light travels in a path. Light is said to have a way. In the Hebrew, it's direct, which means literally a traveled path or road. Until the 17th century, it was believed that light was transmitted instantaneously. They thought it would just from one point to another. Scientists think they know that light is a form of energy that travels at 186,000 miles per second in a straight line. Indeed, there is a way of light. Job 38.19 says, In what direction does light reside in darkness? Where is its place? Also, 59, air has weight. It was once thought that air was weightless. Yet 4,000 years ago, Job declared that God established a weight for the wind. In recent years, meteorologists have calculated that the average thunderstorm holds thousands of tons of rain. To carry this load, air must have mass. Job 28.25 says, When he gave to the wind weight or pressure and allotted the waters by measure. And have you noticed that some of these confirmations in Scripture are from some of the oldest books in Scripture? That God was telling us a long time ago, this is how it works. But for some reason, that was not good enough for us. Number 60, the jet stream was anticipated. At a time when it thought that winds blew straight, the Bible declares in Ecclesiastes 1.6, the wind goes toward the south and turns around to the north. The wind whirls about continually and comes again on its circuit. King Solomon wrote this 3,000 years ago. And it wasn't until World War II that airmen discovered the jet stream circuit. Number 61, a medical quarantine was instituted. Long before man understood the principles of quarantine, God commanded the Israelites to isolate those 
with a contagious disease until cured. Leviticus 13, 45-46, As for the leper who has the infection, his clothes shall be torn, and the hair of his head shall be uncovered, and she, he shall cover his mustache and cry, Unclean, unclean. He shall remain unclean all the days during which he has the infection. He is unclean. He shall live alone. His dwelling shall be outside the camp. Numbers 5, 1-4, through four. The Lord said to Moses, Command the Israelites that they put outside the camp every leper and everyone who has a discharge and whoever is defiled by or coming in contact with the dead. Both male and female shall put out without the camp. You shall put them that they may not defile their camp in the midst of which I dwell. The Israelites did so and they put them outside the camp as the Lord said to Moses. So the Israelites did. And we notice throughout history, you think about the Black Plague and you think about the Spanish flu and, and all those outbreaks, what happened? They didn't quarantine people. They lost sight of what Scripture said to do. 62. Back to the universe. Each star is unique. Centuries before the advent of the telescope, the Bible declared what only God and the angels knew. That each star varies in size and intensity. 1 Corinthians 15.41 says, There is one glory of the sun and another glory of the moon and another glory of the stars, for star differs from star in glory. Number 63, the Bible says that light can be sent and then manifest itself in speech. We now know that radio waves and light waves are two forms of the same thing. They're electromagnetic waves. Therefore, radio waves are a form of light. Today, using radio transmitters, we can send lightnings which indeed speak when they arrive. Job 38.35 says, do you send the lightning bolts on their way? Do they report to you? Here we are. It's amazing how pride can pull you away from what God tells you. And how long it takes man, thousands of years, to catch up. They're just catching up. They're finally realizing what he told us so long ago in his word. 64. Laughter promotes physical healing. King Solomon was inspired to write 3,000 years ago, A merry heart does good like medicine. For instance, laughter reduces levels of certain stress hormones. This brings balance to the immune system, which helps your body fight off disease. Proverbs 17.22, A happy heart is good medicine, and a cheerful mind works healing. But a broken spirit dries up the bones. That's why we're told in, in Philippians to be anxious for nothing. God is telling us what our emotional health can do to our bodies. It's connected. That's why we're supposed to find joy in trials. We're supposed to always have joy in God, no matter what we go through. And as I said, I failed in that this week. But I'm thankful that my wife was there to help me realize that. Number 65. Intense sorrow or stress is harmful to your health. Researchers have studied individual no prior medical problems who showed symptoms of stress, including chest pain, difficulty breathing, low blood pressure, and even heart failure following a stressful incident. Stress is damaging. Proverbs 18.14 says the human spirit can endure a sick body, but who can bear a crushed spirit? And Mark 14.34 says, He told them, My soul is crushed with grief to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. We know Jesus said that. And what was the effect of that when He was in the Garden of Gethsemane? The drops of blood that was mixed with His sweat. That's the stress He was undergoing that caused that physical punishment to come upon Him. Number 66, 
Microorganisms are anticipated. The Bible warns whatever dies naturally or is torn by beasts shall not be eaten. And don't defile yourselves with it. I am the Lord. Today we understand that a decaying carcass is full of disease-causing germs. You're not supposed to eat roadkill. And I know some people do, unfortunately. Number 67, the Bible cautions against consuming fat. Only in recent decades has the medical community determined that fat clogs arteries and contributes to heart disease. We know that fat, a lot of fat is not good for you. Leviticus 7.23 says, Give the following instructions to the people of Israel. You must never eat fat, whether from cattle, sheep, or goats. God didn't say this stuff to waste his breath. He meant it for a reason. He's telling us something. Two more. 68. Do not consume blood. A common ritual in many religions in the ancient world was to drink blood. However, the Creator repeatedly told His people to abstain from blood. Of course, modern science reveals that consuming raw blood is dangerous. We understand that, but they didn't used to. Leviticus 17, 12-14 You must never eat or drink blood, neither you nor the foreigners living among you. And if any native Israelite or foreigner living among you goes hunting and kills an animal or bird that is approved for eating, he must drain its blood and cover it with earth. The life of every creature is in its blood. That is why I have said to the people of Israel, you must never eat or drink blood for the life of any creature is in its blood. So whoever consumes blood will be cut off from the community. Genesis 9.4 also says, but you must not eat meat that has its lifeblood still in it. And lastly, 69. And I like this one. This one's a huge argument between young earth people and evolutionists and gap theory. And you can get up. You want to do your own study and go ahead. The Bible describes dinosaurs. In 1842, Sir Richard Owen coined the term dinosaur, which means terrible lizard, after discovering large reptilian like fossils. However, in the book of Job, written 4,000 years earlier, God describes the behemoth as the largest of all land creatures a herbivore, with great strength in its hips and legs, powerful stomach muscles, a tail like a cedar tree, and bones like bars of iron. This is an accurate description of sauropods, the largest known dinosaur family. Job 40, 15-24 says, Look at the behemoth, which I made along with you, and which feeds on grass like an ox. What strength it has in its loins, what power in the muscles of its belly, its tail sways like a cedar. The sinews of its thighs are close-knit. Its bones are tubes of bronze. Its limbs like rods of iron. It ranks first among the works of God, yet its maker can approach it with his sword. The hills bring it their produce, and all the wild animals play nearby. Under the lotus plants it lies, hidden among the reeds in the marsh. The lotuses can conceal it in their shadows, the poplars by the stream surrounding it. A raging river does not alarm it. It is secure Though the Jordan should surge against its mouth, can anyone capture it by the eyes or trap it and pierce its nose? Now, I've heard people try to say that this is a hippopotamus, but people can kill hippopotamuses. They can trap hippopotamuses. And a hippopotamus does not have a tail that sways like a cedar tree. There's two things that made dinosaurs become extinct. One was the flood. And two were the sin-cursed people that needed food. And I'm pretty sure 20, 30 men could take down any dinosaur if they wanted to. So that's the end of part two.